Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. As healthcare providers incorporate an expanding landscape of technologies and strive to meet patient expectations in the post-pandemic world, the standards of healthcare delivery are rapidly changing. The typical point of care experience for patients is shifting beyond the hospital as facilities begin to prioritize digitization, AI-informed decision-making, and operational efficiency. I'm here today with Binamics Ryan Hummel and Mindy McGrath, plus a few surprise experts from hospitals across the nation to discuss what they think the hospital of the future could look like. I get really excited whenever we put on our futurist hats here on the podcast, so I can't wait to start exploring this topic of the hospital of the future with both of you. Ryan, as our provider head of sector, can you start first by outlining what are the particular aspects of hospitals and healthcare delivery when we say things like the hospital of the future won't look anything like the hospital today? What are we really starting to talk about? Uh, Jen, I too get really excited about this because no one really knows the future, but I think if we put some thoughts together about this changing landscape around convergence and all of these new entrants, I think we have a, a decent picture about how fast change is going to happen. I think for many, many years, this idea of hospital facilities and the bricks and mortar, many of these hospitals across the country were built sometimes a hundred years ago, and the world has changed so dramatically the geography of the United States, the idea of retail health has changed so dramatically in the last five to 10 years that it'd be important for us to look similarly for the next five to 10 years of what it could look like. And as I've mentioned, many of these anchor facilities, hospitals and healthcare facilities have become outdated. We were talking earlier about a really well-known quote by David Feinberg, who is the former CEO of Geisinger, who mentioned, and I'm paraphrasing here, is one of the things he sees is that the hospital will not exist in the future. I think that's probably a bit too far in the future, but if you think about all of the most modern innovations that have happened in the last five to 10 years, telemedicine, remote monitoring, this advent of digital patient experience and engagement, coupled with the pandemic, which really accelerated a lot of those remote digital ways of working, we realize that problems can be addressed, even in healthcare, even with hospitals of the present through technology, right? And some of the problems that I think we're solving for in the hospital of the future are capacity issues, right? This idea that the changeable bed per capita, especially if you look at the UK and the NHS, there is a weight literally out the door to be admitted into a hospital. But in the US, depending on the season, we're having the same issues of overcrowded hospitals, which is interesting because that is paradoxical to what we're saying that hospitals and their actual physical existence may not exist or will exist in a much more minimal way. So it sounds kind of weird that we're saying both things like, oh, they're overcrowded, but they shouldn't exist in the first place. The lack of funding and kind of this changeable money maze that Mindy talks about all the time around the provider, payer, and life sciences sector, many times hospitals and providers are the victim of that money maze. And so lack of funding and focus on what we know works, preventative healthcare, re-evaluating the systems itself mean that some of these thoughts are maybe a little unrealistic because there's reality here. Another obstacle here is the really difficult 
governance and decision-making that happens at health systems. And a lot of times with our clients, that puts some more barriers on the hospital of the future. But I think we're going to try to strip that all away, right? We're going to try to talk in the next several minutes about all those barriers are removed. What could the hospital of the future look like? And it's really exciting. Yeah. And Ryan, as you were talking about that, some of the things hospitals are contending with now, as they start to think about what does the road ahead look like, you think about just the the general inefficiency that we have seen at the point of care and complaints, right, that stakeholders, utilizers of hospitals have around too often that patient-provider relationship is weighed down by the amount of note-taking and billing and coding that actually goes on in the interaction rather than really thinking about the delivery of care. The other thing is as we start to think about what the future looks like, We've talked often about the acceleration of data release and how data can really serve as a tool to enable much better real-time informed decision-making. That happens to a certain extent today, but I think hospitals of the future really start to make that like a core, core capability. And then we, we can't ignore, right, what's been going on with the healthcare workforce and just the shortage of talent that exists. And I think hospitals of the future will really address how that workforce needs to change in order to really show up in a way that you're delivering care to the right people at the right time, perhaps even outside of the walls of the hospital. So we talked a little bit about data. I think another component of this is going to be what you mentioned around technology and how Healthcare as a service becomes almost like a platform where technology gets very infused in the delivery of care. So to me, when we talk about five years down the road, it's starting today to really think about redesigning the hospital and the health system of the future. And some of those fundamental challenges that are being faced today, how do we flip them to become strengths for the hospital of the future? Part of strategic planning, I think, is to really think outside the box of how do you address some of these huge challenges hospitals are having today in a really innovative way so that five years from now, we are seeing the fruits of our labor and some of these kind of pie-in-the-sky ideas are actual reality. And someone had to think about that from telemedicine's perspective. Someone had to think about that for some of these hospital at home or remote care and patient monitoring programs. So there is going to need to be a shift if we're going to actually realize the hospital of the future to shift the point of care and meet patients where they're at. I have to tell an anecdotal story about when I go on an app to get my haircut, I know exactly where I am in the queue. I know exactly how long it will take me to get to that haircut. And I know that's a simple anecdote and corollary, but I think shifting the point of care and looking at it from the patient's eyes should really move hospitals. And I'm just talking about one small thing, access and scheduling to something as simple as that can be done. I think we've put artificial blinders on and used HIPAA and used text security as a blanket of that's why we're not moving forward on this. But the market has changed so quickly as we talked about convergence and all these new entrants. We have to change the way we look at these things and patient journeys and looking at really through the patient eyes and designing delivery models from a patient perspective will actually change the way we optimize the physical space and the bricks and mortars of the hospital, which then will need to take that new way of working and 
shift the processes and the workflow and the clinical workflow of the patient experience. And oh yeah, there's this thing hanging over top of us, this AI idea and this, how do you realize that? How do you make it safe? How do you make it accurate? But there are lots of companies that are in the burgeoning space of AI-driven medical applications. And they're taking all this information and data and creating adaptive algorithms that are really changing this clinical decision-making model. So I'm kind of talking in a little bit of a word salad, but all these things come together where the future of the hospital is destined to change and change quickly. Brian, I have a question for you. We talked a little bit about just fundamentals, right? And how fundamentals have to change. And you mentioned designing with the patient in mind. Just from your experience in working with providers over many years and the fact that Vynamic partners with providers on a multitude of different types of projects, how often are provider organizations looking at designing with the patient in mind and doing that patient journey mapping to really understand what needs to change, even in the interim, today, tomorrow, and a year out from now? How much of that is embedded into these types of organizations? It's a great question. I think there is a cognitive understanding that 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 has to change. But to shift from a cognitive understanding to ripping and replacing ways of working and replacing some of those telephonic interactions, for example, into digital connectivity points for the patients is almost a monumental task right now. When we have Mary Verzi on, our head of health tech, she'll remind everyone that there was vast investment done in the last three years from digitizing the patient experience, but health systems and hospitals are not getting the perceived bang for their buck for those investments. So what we're seeing in our clients is how do you really optimize that technology from a patient perspective to bring value? And it requires some really difficult, big changes, org structure, creating the right capabilities for folks to utilize these digital technologies that really will shift the paradigm. If you read any article around the amount of patients that register or schedule online versus old school telephonic ways, it is still in the single digits. We're talking single digits of people scheduling appointments via text app or via a website. I believe that the hospital and healthcare industry is way behind almost any other industry in that perspective, but we have the technology to do it. So it's going to require fervent focus to really be bold about what the org structure and operating model looks like to bring that to bear. And you can understand the reticence of some of the hospitals and health systems of why we're not actualizing that in a fast way, because it involves risk. There are patients at the end of this. There are patients' information that are at the end of this. You see on the news, health systems and hospitals getting their security breached. And there is a fear, I think, because of some of those issues. So I hope that answered your question. You know, we could talk all day about that. It's a huge challenge. It is a huge challenge, but at the same vein, you mentioned there's a patient at the end of this. That's part of what I think is driving even this conversation, right? Is that I'm not sure that patients have the patience, if you will, to no longer have the type of experience that they expect when they compare it to other industries. While there might be some fear and concern there, I also think patients are consumers and 
they have expectations based on their interactions in other industries. So the reason I ask that too is we see all of the advancements in technology. We've talked a little bit about digital. We've talked about DIY models. And I just think like all of it's starting to come together and without really understanding what that patient journey not only looks like today, but what patients want it to look like in the future, to jump right into the technology as an answer and the data as an answer, I think starts to actually maybe really muddy the waters in terms of where you're going with strategic planning. If you're thinking five years out in terms of what does my hospital look like? Who do I serve? And how do I show up? I would love to add one more piece of that. And I'll use a real example. As a country, we've done a really great job of exposing the need for older adults to get a colonoscopy, for example. Many times when someone will go to a primary care physician, the primary care physician, nurse practitioner, physician assistant will refer or recommend that a patient gets a colonoscopy. The rate at which people are actually making those appointments is way smaller than I think the industry needs. In the future, if you appreciate other industries and how you can use an omni-channel approach to make an appointment, to connect with those doctors, a patient, or now as we evolve into consumerism, should be able at any time during the day, recall that they need to make that appointment and do it at their fingertips or do it on their computer. Right now, very few health systems enable that. And that's just one anecdote. But imagine the future where we close that gap. We're at the fingertips of any patient or consumer within 30 seconds to a minute, which we order our meals in 30 seconds to a minute. We get our hair cut in 30 seconds to a minute. You could be able to schedule these appointments and it embeds right into your personal calendar. We should be able to do that. And we're not able to do that right now. And that is the healthcare and hospital of the future. I'm not quite at colonoscopy age yet, Ryan, but I am a millennial with a pretty strong fear of talking to strangers on the phone. So any world in which I can more easily make my care appointments is a world in which I want to live in. And I think, Mindy, you raise a great point about the patient pressures that are accelerating this push maybe towards the drive of the future and some of the technology enablers. But I think about some of the other industry pressures we've talked about on this podcast as well in terms of as we're seeing a push towards value-based care and an increasing importance of not only providers operating at the top of their license with the workforce shortage, but health systems operating at the top of their license in terms of making sure preventative care happens in the right setting versus in a higher acuity setting like the hospital. And as the incentives change to make sure that the right care is happening at the right time in the right place throughout the system, I think is also putting pressure on hospitals. And if you look from a life sciences perspective, even in the last 10 years, there's been so much progress in just medicine, right? And the types of therapies that are coming to market and thinking about curative therapies and how does that even shift the role of the hospital, the types of procedures they're doing, the types of medicines they're administering. I think it's not just the patient pressures and the technology and the workforce shortage. I think there are some other forces coalescing as well that are really helping nudge hospital and provider systems towards these changes. And then even looking at what's happening in the M&A space in terms of how outside buyers are starting to get involved in the landscape. When we look at venture capital and private equity, 
they're going to bring new ideas and new ways of working. When we look at convergence and the new entrance in the field, they're going to have different ideas about how to mix things up. I think we're really starting to get to this tipping point away from the traditional health system and hospital system. So I think it's the perfect time to be talking about hospital of the future. So today we're actually going to do something a little bit different. We've asked a few leaders in the provider space what's on their mind when it comes to the hospital of the future. I thought it would be fun to get your reactions to what they had to say. Are you guys in for it? Completely. I'm really excited about this, Jen. Okay, so first up, we have the CEO of a large academic medical center. They said the number one issue that we need to address for any tangible innovation to occur in five years is to fix the workforce shortage. If we don't solve that, the ecosystem crashes. Inpatient care will be deconstructed, and as a wild prediction, we'll be much closer to a single-payer system in the U.S. I really enjoyed this quote because it's kind of the tale of two cities, right? There is kind of a very pragmatic beginning and a very aspirational maybe end, right? So I do think that it's unsurprising that the leader of a large health system would be chiefly focused on this huge issue with workforce shortage. We're seeing it. We talked about it many times in this podcast. This is not a short-term issue. This is a long-term problem. And so the way to fix long-term problems is to think differently. When it comes to the single-payer comment, that is fascinating, right? You know, we're seeing a lot of CMS and Medicare efficiencies and effectiveness all over the news. I'm not sure most Americans are reading the same things we're reading, but when you see the efficiency and effectiveness of a Medicare or Medicare Advantage, this monolith, you can understand that that could be the future. I, I do think that five years down the line, maybe a little too soon to think we'd go to single payer because I think of the power and the influence several of these large insurers have to stay autonomous. But uh, it is an interesting conversation point. It was interesting to hear this quote. I'm thinking five years out, knowing how slow healthcare can sometimes move. So this could be something we're talking about 20 years from now, but undoubtedly when you start to see the population and the number of people that are aging into the Medicare population, it's going to be a really big number in the next decade, which then starts to point towards how much more influence does somebody like a CMS or an HHS have to try to push for some sort of an, a single payer system, but that's an act of Congress as well. So there's a lot of regulatory legislative elements to this. Definitely was an interesting quote to consider. All right, next we have a chief access officer. They said, for the last generation, we have not been forced to move faster. Now we have no choice. In five years, the acute care hospital will be somewhat obsolete and care at home will be a number one priority. Frontline caregivers will be known as primary care providers. This is due to workforce shortage. Yeah, the, I think the thing I found interesting about this perspective is, A, just the acknowledgement that moving fast is now a requirement. There is no choice in it. The other thing that stood out to me, obviously, is, is we've talked a lot over previous episodes around health in the home and I think to hear a chief access officer say, hey, listen, you know, five years from now, the number one priority is going to be delivering care in the home. And who we think of today as primary care providers 
will probably not be who we're referencing as primary care providers in the future. Rather, it's going to be these frontline caregivers that are actually out and about in the community and delivering care in the home. So I I was not surprised about the workforce shortage being one of the drivers. I would also say, I think that just the economics, right, of the provider sector kind of lend themselves to this type of perspective. I'm sensing a theme, Indy, around workforce shortage. And uh, I agree. I, I would just say this. As someone that's worked in health system and hospitals before, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of MVPs. I always think about in my world when I was working in operations, folks like medical assistants and coordinators were my MVPs. And elevating their status and making sure that, you know, looking at the future and saying, hey, listen, we have this workforce that is really dedicated to the frontline care of patients is exciting to hear a a senior leader say that to me. And and I think about the future of nurses, medical assistants, and those folks being on the forefront and being known as the primary care providers. These are great quotes and I'm loving this exercise. Okay. Finally, we have a chief transformation officer. They said, humans are generally poor at predicting the future because we're so poor at remembering the past. That stated, I think there's an interesting concurrent parallel between the journey of autonomous vehicles and the future of AI in medicine. If you look back 15 years ago, the ubiquitous adoption of autonomous vehicles was just a few years away. As of now, we are still just a few years away, and that serves as a cautionary tale for medicine. To me, the big challenge for AI augmented medicine is not the technology, which will continue to rapidly get better. Our expectation for these technologies to be nearly perfect, which is different than being safe, could be the great challenge to advancement and adoption. To me, this is an example of, in order for us to achieve the future, we have to get out of our own way. And I think in hospitals and healthcare, which is an area that we are supremely focused on, we see that all the time. And I I love the poeticness of this quote to talk about the past to predict the future. And I agree. I think that many times precision professions feel like we need to have perfection to execute something. And if you look at other industries, you look at the history of the world, you'll never get perfect. I mean, that's the the beauty of this world we live in. So I love this quote. I think that it's great that it's coming from a chief transformation officer to say, hey, listen, let's take what is accurate and safe now and apply it to the future thinking of the way we do. And just as another additive to make decisions for our patients. And I think we do have incredible data around AI and, and the idea of augmented medicine to get there. So these are just incredible quotes. I would add, Ryan, I thought it was interesting because the previous quote we talked about from the chief access officer was about, we don't have a choice but to move fast. And yet tempered right by the chief transformation officer here, who's like, listen, for 15 years, we've talked about autonomous vehicles being just around the corner. I think it's a cautionary tale, right? And that you can be moving fast. It's probably still not going to be what we think it's going to be five years out from now because change happen sometimes slowly. I thought there was just an interesting contrast in perspectives from these two individuals. What I found really powerful about this quote, particularly coming from a chief transformation officer and wearing my consulting hat, of course, is the acknowledgement that technology is not going to be a panacea for the type of change that we need to implement to get to the hospital of the future, right? That the technology will be there maybe far earlier 
then we as people are ready to adopt it. And I think that people component, that change management, both sort of inside and outside of the hospital can be such a sticking point. And I know we've talked on this podcast before about the challenges to governance decision, to changing things in these big health systems that have been doing things for a long time in a certain way and have built up a certain inertia. So I really loved the acknowledgement of this needs to be a really embedded holistic change in order to be enabled and to really stick. Thank you, Ryan and Mindy, for joining us on the podcast today. And thank you to all of our experts who weighed in and provided the quotes above. The future of healthcare delivery feels closer than ever. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode, where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.